0: We are continuing in this series of messages about the promises of God. We started with Old Testament promises made as a part of the Old Covenant, and we transitioned to New Testament promises helping us to understand the New Covenant. The big promise we read about in the New Testament is that through Jesus Christ, salvation is made available to everyone who will repent of sin and turn to God. This is a new and better promise made by God to people. In the Bible, there are thousands of promises made by God. We we all make and receive promises, but the only being capable of keeping every promise is God. And our hope is that the promises of God will help you see your problems as a part of the process God is using to transform you into the person He wants you to become. You can listen to this sermon and every sermon in this seven-week series at neartownchurch.org. So in this series, we read about the promises to humanity. These are in the Old Testament. Through Adam and Eve, God promises, I am with you. I am still here. Through Abraham, God promises, I have a plan for you. Through Moses, God promises, if you obey, you'll be blessed. And through Moses, God gave his people the law to obey. Through David, God promises, I will provide a king who will save. Now, there are many more promises in the Old Testament. But the most important thing for you to understand is that all of God's promises are spun into the scarlet thread that ties the Old Testament into the New Testament's revelation of a much-needed Savior. So, in the New Testament, God makes some more promises. He promises salvation for all those who will repent and follow Jesus, as I've already said. We also read about the promise of a Holy Spirit given to all those who believe. And today I'm going to preach the last sermon in this series, and I hope you'll join me in rejoicing at this great promise of God. Jesus is preparing a place for you in eternity. The end of the world as you know it is coming very soon. One of two things is going to happen. You'll breathe your last breath, or Jesus will return. I don't mean to scare you, but I do want to jostle you awake in hopes that you'll be able to listen carefully to God's promise today. It's the promise of an afterlife in heaven for all Christians. Today, we're going to revel in this promise of heaven for those that are in Christ. We're going to do that by looking at John chapter 14. So John chapter 14 says this. Jesus is speaking. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would also have known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So in John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his closest followers. But it's important to understand some of what's already happened up to this point in his public ministry. He's revealed to those that will listen uh, some statements about who he is, and we call these the "I am" statements. John six forty eight, he says, "I am the bread of life." John eight twelve, he says, "I am the light of the world." John ten nine, he says, "I am the door," In John ten eleven, he says, "I am the good shepherd." In John eleven twenty five, he says, "I am the resurrection." So each of these I am statements that Jesus gives is complementary to the witness of his divinity by his miraculous acts of healing the sick and casting out demons and calming the storms. Now, the disciples are just beginning to see Jesus as God in the flesh, but at this point in John's gospel, they get discouraged because what we, they've read about and what we're reading about in John chapter 13. So in John chapter 13... Jesus begins to prepare his closest disciples by telling them a few things that are hard for them to hear. He says that he's going to go away. He tells them that he's going to die. He tells them that one of the 12 is going to be a traitor and that Peter would disown him three times, that that Satan was at work against all of them and that all his disciples would fall away. So the cumulative weight of these revelations must have depressed these close followers of Jesus which sets the stage for the words we read in John chapter 14. Jesus makes a promise that gives them hope, and it's supposed to give the hope to every Christian, and it's supposed to compel those of you who are not yet Christ followers to cross the line of faith. Look at verse 3 of John chapter 14. Jesus says, "'I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also.'" Jesus is telling his disciples that in his Father's house are many rooms, or some English translations use the word mansions. Either way, it means dwelling place. He's going to prepare the place for them to spend eternity near the Father in peaceful fellowship with God, just as it was intended to be for Adam and Eve in the Garden uh, of Eden. Now, there's so much I could say about this, but what's most important for, to help you understand this passage is that right now in your life, Jesus is gone, physically gone, and he's going to return to take all those that are in Christ to this dwelling place. This is the place for all Christians once dead to experience restoration of all things. This is the place where you will see the glory of Jesus as he is meant to be seen. So in August, I did the funeral for the mother of my kid's elementary school principal. Alice was her name. Her entire life, she lived with faith in Jesus as her savior. And at her funeral, I said these words. If Alice could come back for just the conversation, she would tell us about heaven. We're conditioned in this life to only believe in that which we can touch, hear, see, or taste. And she would describe doing all of these things in heaven. Perhaps she would quote Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. The things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. She believed this by faith and now faith has become sight for her. Alice is now seeing and touching and tasting all that Jesus promised to those who will follow him to God the Father. I love how Nancy Guthrie writes about heaven. She says, "Sometimes we get sick of this world and we find ourselves very homesick for the next. But what we long for is not merely return to the garden of Eden. Eden was beautiful, but it wasn't secure." Evil made its way into Eden and brought ruin with it. The new creation, where we will make our homes forever, will be completely secure. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. It will be a vast garden city, filled with a ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. As the bride of Christ will share this home with our perfect bridegroom, We won't just hear his sound in the garden. We will see his face. I love how she puts that. It makes me long for heaven. Let's look again here at John chapter 14. As Jesus is saying these words, his disciples are listening. And like some of us, Thomas was slow to understand and quick to doubt. He replies to Jesus, In verse five, it says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we did not know where you're going. How can we know the way? (laughs) And this question reminds me of something I've witnessed so many times over the years. There are some people who refuse to see what is right in front of their faces. Their problems result from their own unwillingness to acknowledge what is so obvious. Let me illustrate it in this way. So imagine your car is not working and so you try to fix it yourself. It still does not work, so you take it to the shop and the mechanic tells you the problem is the engine. But you refuse to acknowledge it because, well, you spent all that time trying to fix it yourself. You might want to ask the mechanic how to fix the doors or the tires, but you cannot let yourself acknowledge the actual problem because it would mean that all the time you spent on the engine was wasted and you need help. It means that you cannot, on your own, fix your own mess. This is how I think so many people are living their lives. Their life is not working but they try hard to fix themselves but they remain very broken. Their brokenness comes out in destructive anger or dysfunctional relationships or chronic addiction, whatever it is. They ask for help and I tell them they need God to overhaul their lives but they refuse to follow the way of Jesus. It's like they want their life to work but they refuse to invite the master mechanic to fix the actual problem. Why? because it requires admitting you need help and humbly following the way of Jesus. So here's Thomas with the obvious answer of how to get to the Father right in front of him. And he asks, how will I know the way to get to God? It's as if he's not listened to any of the I am statements that Jesus has already given him about who who he is. So Jesus gives him another I am statement. We read this in John chapter 14, verse six. Jesus says to him, I am the way in the truth, in the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Of all the verses in the Bible, this is the most clear explanation of how a person gets to heaven when they die. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, That is why the common claim that all paths lead to God is false. It's untrue, and you cannot say you believe in the Christian faith while at the same time believe a person can be Muslim or Buddhist or whatever and enter peacefully into God's presence when they die. See, Jesus is preparing a place for you, dear friends, and Jesus will return to take you there. I'm gonna describe, to end this sermon, a bit more about heaven, but before I do, I want to make the point that the return of Jesus is imminent. Luke chapter 12, verse 40. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when we least expect it. Jesus was born into the world a humble servant, not known by many, but his return to the world will be as warrior king. So listen to my warning. The return of Jesus is very close. It's It's either the predetermined time set by God for when Jesus will physically return, it may be in our lifetime, and it will be sudden and unexpected. And if Jesus does not return in our lifetime, the end of your life is still very close. Your days on earth are fleeting. Randy Alcorn in his book called Heaven says, earth is an in-between world touched by both heaven and hell. Earth leads directly into heaven or directly into hell, affording a choice between the two. The best of life life on earth is a glimpse of heaven, the worst of life is a glimpse of hell. Your life is like a sprayed mist, here for a moment and then gone. So we cannot listen to the promises of God as if we have all the time in the world to respond, because we do not. The time is now to turn to God for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And for those that are in Christ, as we're waiting for the return of Christ, we must heed these words in Hebrews. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some who do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So here's my call to action, straight from the pages of the Bible. I want you to reach out to one person or family in our church with the intent of encouraging their faith. Commit yourself anew to meeting with the church family online or on site, because that's important. This is what the author of Hebrews tells us we ought to do as we await the return of Jesus. Make a fresh commitment to make Sunday mornings as a time of worship and connection with other believers. It's different because we're sometimes only meeting online, but you can still make that a priority. Meet with your loop group and join us after Sunday online for our Zoom meetups. Because the day is coming soon when either Jesus will return or your days on earth will be done. And for those who have crossed the line of faith, the promise of God is that right now Jesus is preparing a place for us to spend eternity. And here's what heaven will be like. I'm going to quote from Randy Alcorn's book written about heaven. No death, no suffering, no funeral homes, abortion clinics or psychiatric wards. No rape, missing children, or drug rehabilitation centers. No bigotry, no muggings or killings, no worry or depression or economic downturns. No wars, no unemployment, no anguish over failure and miscommunication. No conmen, no locks, no death, no mourning, no pain, no boredom, no arthritis, no handicaps, no cancer, no taxes, no bills, no computer crashes, no weeds, no bombs, no drunkenness, no traffic jams and accidents no septic tank backups, no mental illness, no unwanted emails, close friendships but no clicks, laughter but no put downs, intimacy but no temptation to immorality, no hidden agendas, no backroom deals, no betrayals. Imagine meal times full of stories, laughter and joy without fear of insensitivity, inappropriate behavior, anger, gossip, lust, jealousy, hurt feelings, or anything that eclipses joy. This is what heaven's going to be like. It will be a bright vibrant and physical new earth free from sin suffering and death and brimming with christ's presence wondrous natural beauty and the richness of human culture as god intended it are you ready have you accepted this promise of god jesus is preparing a place for you i've already called to action all those of you that have already crossed the line of faith commit yourself New to the local body by prioritizing the gathering with the church on Sunday morning and in smaller groups for discipleship. Reach out to somebody in the church to encourage them. Ask them, how can I help you? How can I encourage your faith? And for those of you that are listening that have never crossed over the line of faith, the time is now. You cannot fix your own problems. Repent and turn to God. And you can live with the hope that Jesus is preparing a place for you. Let's think on and pray about these things.